this is super, super challenging. I think that with different groups, different methods will work. I'm passionate about sustainable design and teaching and gender. Hello and welcome to the Permaculture Vine podcast. My name is Cormac Harkin and I'm delighted today to be joined by Angela Consalve. Angela, welcome to the show. Thank you, Cormac. Hi. Hi. Uh, it's great to have you on. Do you want to just give a quick 60 seconds introduction, please? So my name is Angela Gonçalves. Uh, I'm Portuguese and I live 20 minutes from Lisbon in the south side of the Tagos River. And I started studying permaculture in 2010, first all by myself, and I was uh, self-taught for self-taught for two years. And then 2012, I uh, started studying. I took a, an introduction to permaculture. Then I did my PDC. Then I implemented projects uh, in urban context, and mainly uh, I created educational programs uh related with permaculture uh and all of that and now today i teach at school still i try to include permaculture as much as possible in my practice and i created the permaculture school and i teach teachers um at school and i teach the public in general like smaller courses composting uh urban gardens, everything is uh, very related with the urban environment. And this is it. I'm passionate about sustainable design and teaching in general. That's great. That's, we've uh, plenty, plenty to cover then today. Let's, <laughs> let's take it back to the very start then. You said 2010, you discovered permaculture and you were self-studying for two years. How, how did you find it? How did you stumble across it? Yeah, it's just a friend of mine. She came to my house and she said, yeah, I met these guys and they're planting stuff and they, they're they using this permaculture design thing. And it's like you do nothing. Just you, you don't have to do anything. It's super, <laughs> it's super easy. You oh, like, what, where's that? It. Where's that permaculture? Yeah, <laughs> you should look into it. I don't know what it is, but I yeah. heard them and you like plants and stuff. So look into it. And then, yeah, I decided to look into it and I was in a, a stage of my life where I was transitioning from jobs and houses and everything I was moving. So I moved to a house with a piece, with a little plot of land and started experimenting. Um, yeah, and just researching online, reading stuff and then experimenting and then reading and then experimenting, watching YouTube videos and then trying something. And it was funny because my grandmother, she used to have a farm, like with animals and everything. She used to, to have a big farm and she would just stay in my little plot of land, sitting and laughing. Like, what are you doing? And she would laugh. <laughs> and like, come on, don't laugh at me. Just teach me. And then, yeah, I started practicing more. And then I decided, no, I need to go study because it's way more complex than my friend Joanna at the time said. You do nothing. And it's super basic. You're just planting stuff and everything is growing. Yeah, that's all right if it's well designed. Yeah, I want to do that kind of permaculture, just do nothing. Uh, yeah, be just great. sit and watch stuff growing. Uh, uh, so then you went and done a, uh, the introduction to PDC 2012, was it? Yeah, Sorry. there was a, there's a, a teacher here in Portugal, Moon Belchior. And he was one of the few at the time. 
teaching uh, these courses. So we went to his farm, which is near uh, near here where we are, near Lisbon. And he did a two-day introduction to permaculture. And it was all about soil and worms and lots of worm farms everywhere, bathtubs everywhere filled with worms. And we were super inspired. And at the time, we were living in an apartment, but it had a small plot of land. And it was right in the middle of buildings in the city. And we designed like the whole garden using what we learned in the, in the introduction to permaculture course. And, but then, yeah, then we just get thirsty. And I've been teaching since 2005 uh, in Portuguese public schools and vocational schools. And I teach uh, uh, adults as well. So I was very into the possibility of teaching permaculture. So from the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm going to study this and practice as much as I can. And then I want to teach this. So I'm in that in that path now yeah that's great we, we, we all uh we need good teachers um so then when you done your introduction to your course you come back and you're full of full of beans what what had you been doing well on your property and poor on your property before the course that you realized right that's good or that's bad yeah i was with i was yeah the thing with raised beds for example i was like doing raised beds wherever just do a raised bed <laughs> And then I came home and I was like, no, I'm going to do sunken beds because I have sandy soil and everything goes away and there's no structure. And composting, I like did it 10 times more than I did it before. And I started going composting. I went to cafes in Portugal because we drink loads of espresso and I would gather all the, the coffee ground, grinds and all the grass clippings from the city hall and everything and I would fill my car every day and just fill my compost pile but yeah I was doing I was already doing some nicer things I was already doing some things that were right at least uh thought like uh I was using lots of uh, companion planting and trying to maintain a seed bank as well so I, I learned a little bit by myself, but it's different when you get to a place where everything is implemented already and you can see the actual results of the design and you get inspired by a warm guy or <laughs> a plant person. It's totally different. Yeah, it's great. There is, there is loads of inspiration out there. And then, so you, you don't, uh, after your uh, your training, you did some urban installments in apart from your own yeah, I was I was living in the middle of a city here in Portugal uh, called Barreiro, which used to be and it still is an industrial city. We have a huge industrial complex, and it's super urban, so there were not many chances to have like a farm nearby or a big piece of land. So um, at the time, we implemented in our house for a year um, a kitchen garden because the plot wasn't too big. It was like. 40 square meter maybe and it had a huge tree it was low quad if i'm not mistaken yeah low quad and no not not low quad it's something we call ninspros i think it's medler in english medler yeah it had a huge medler tree and this 40 square meters so we implemented the kitchen garden and we called the project zone one and we were basically just working on zone one uh and at the time I was also uh, 
helping other people in teaching courses um, at home. I would go to people's houses and teach them how to implement their zone one as well. They like the kitchen garden, how to preserve food, uh, seeds, gathering seeds, how to create connections with neighbors and some sort of community. And for that year, we also explored uh, other alternatives to money. Like we were, we had the room for couch surfing and we decided not to go on holiday, but to bring as many different people from different countries as possible to our house and share uh, food and thoughts and whatever culture in general. And it was super nice. We also created a store, like an exchange, a swap uh, store at home. And whenever we, we had uh, dinners or uh, some sort of uh, gathering with people and they could uh, swap things, we would schedule gatherings. And yeah, we, we did lots of testing, urban testing. We also uh, tried uh, working with uh, community refrigerators and uh, cupboards and all sorts of structures out, outside. And then we worked with, um, I say we, because I was with a partner at the time and we did this together. He, he didn't, uh, he didn't want to go and learn permaculture because he was like, no, I know you're doing it. And I understand what you're, what you're doing and I'll help you. But now he's really into it and he's been studying everything that has to do with the social part. And then we started working with an association, an arts association next to the railway, um, line and, we implemented gardens, workshops, uh, and we worked with uh, lots of um, circular economy associations with uh, different resources that we would gather and keep in the association because we had space and then swap and use in construction and all sorts. And this went on for more or less a first year and then with the association five more years. Right, so a lot of community work there, a lot of interactions. Yeah, because if you're, uh, as we are an industrial city and Portugal is very, um, it was built on politics and the revolution is still like we have a dictatorship for many years. Then in uh, 1924, we have a sort of peaceful revolution and there's still uh, a heavy communist and cooperative culture. So in our city, we have loads of associations and cooperatives and some just work with music, others with arts. Uh, we have a community garden. Actually, we have three community gardens. <laughs> and, uh, we had lots of groups. So it was very easy just to create a network between people and make everything work together and uh, yeah, work with people in general. Because um, I think that when you're working in the city, of course, you can always focus on growing food or composting or whatever but if you create like a big network the the chances of doing it successfully will increase a lot because you can like i don't know occupy a plot or uh, talk to the city hall because then you have a collective of people a group of people who want to do the same thing and everything is still very political and you need like people on numbers to to do things Right. Sorry? I was going to say, and in, in fact, I don't believe that we should all go off-grid. 
yeah, if we all go off grid, everything stays the same. So <laughs> no change is made and it's like, okay, I'm living here comfortably off grid, but people are still struggling. And I think we, we need to change our thought maps, the way we think in certain things and think, okay, we can still do this in the city. Not everybody, at least here, it's not possible to buy land at the moment. If you're Portuguese, you don't have uh, financial ability to purchase land. It's very difficult to do so. So it's important to create these networks in cities and uh, give people uh, tools. Yeah, you, you mentioned land there. I see a lot of... Um... A lot of English people buying land in, in central Portugal, up in the hills, where it's almost buying entire villages and stuff. And uh... yeah, that's because <laughs> yeah, political stuff. Because if you have money and you, you can just come and buy land easily, and it's way easier for uh, a British person or a Dutch person to have an amount of money to come here and buy a piece of land. Also. The interior of the country is completely deserted. So no Portuguese wants to live there because uh, you're far from the hospital. There are no schools, no jobs, anything. So people come to the cities, which means everything is a bit deserted. And uh, older people used to be there farming, but they're dying, most of them. So And their children don't want the land, don't want to go back to their roots or farm or anything like that. So it's very easy for other people to come. However, imagine if I want to buy a piece of land and it's considered uh, farming land, no bank will give you any sort of load of loan, sorry, or anything, any money. If it's land for farming, there's no money involved, which means it's super hard for us. Like our minimal wage is 760 euros. So just you have an idea. It's very difficult for a Portuguese person to have financial ability to purchase land. So that's why, and I, I'm happy actually, because people who are coming, most of them are implementing uh, permaculture projects or uh, they're doing something to do with sustainable design, uh, food forests. So all of them, or spirituality or something, all of them are trying to more or less maintain some of our farming traditions and methods and also culture. We I see that most of them want to learn Portuguese and they have like, they want to belong, you know, it's not like, okay, we're coming to your country to do everything different. So no, so most of it will still be maintained, even if it's in a different language. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that's very respectful. Uh, I just noticed a few, there's a few YouTube channels have popped up that are quite popular. Yeah. Um so back, so you're you're in in a big urban environment, doing a lot of community work, and for others looking to get involved in community and, and and build that for themselves, would you have any advice for them about where they start? Sorry, can you repeat? So yeah, you're you're doing a lot of community work in an urban environment, a big city. What advice would you have for someone who wants to get more involved in that? Who's in a big city, where they start? I think that the most challenging situation in this type of design and basically I think echo villages as well is people <laughs> and decision making. <laughs> so even before learning how to compost, how to build soil, how to gather and collect water, 
yeah, it's super important to be able to have tools to uh, take make decisions to make everybody feel heard to you know include and integrate everybody rather than segregate and this is super super challenging it's super challenging i was in the in the board of an association for a while i was part of the general assembly and it was super the most difficult thing was not we had 3700 square meters it was huge and the space was not a problem you know like the problem and not a problem but the issue to to the challenge was uh people and tools like sociocracy uh dragon dreaming uh tools that help groups create a vision and maintain that vision along the way uh so these are very very useful when working uh with community and um everything that you can use for people care and everything that you can use to improve those projects because then if people are working together the garden will come and money will come and uh all the projects that you may think of uh will eventually work out but if people are not they forget the vision constantly if they don't feel heard if they feel that that decision making is not fair everything if they feel there's no there's not a path like a clear path and goals everything just falls apart so i think yeah the, the most important would be to work with people yeah that's uh, that's interesting uh i like do you know paul wheaton the permies.com yeah he has the he has he's the benevolent dictator and it says rules and that's it <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. I, I think I like, that's I like also that that's also a method. I think that with uh, different groups, different methods will work. Yeah, I I see it like I don't have uh, a long term contract when working at school, so every year I have different groups. Like this year, I have secondary, and then I have adults, and then I have foreigners learning Portuguese. So they're very diverse groups, and in with some groups, some methods are better. It will depend on. The spe how specific and the characteristics that people have within the group and how everything comes together. So I think that's uh, that's a good method. Sometimes I'm at at school. I'm many times the dictator. Yeah, the dictator. <laughs> so you, not you benevolent, just the dictator. <laughs> but we're done. That's the it. Word verbs in the past simple, and that's that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so can you tell us about your 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 teaching? A profession as well and how that ties into the permaculture yeah so I'm, what i'm trying to do is transitioning from teaching at school to just teaching permaculture so this year i don't have a, a full uh schedule like I, I don't work full time at school and i've been teaching uh, workshops and courses and i've been participating in participating in permaculture uh, design courses here in portugal with other teachers um but what i do at school is i try to uh design the school year according to permaculture design principles like if it was any sort of design and then i always try to as i teach foreign languages when i have uh, topics that are related somehow to sustainability to sustainable design environments in general or people um i try to include certain parts of the of the pdc which actually as i work in a vocational school we have lots of freedom 
uh, towards the, the curricula. We have like uh, main goals and uh, main descriptors that we have to follow in terms of content, but then the method we can work around it depending on what the teacher, on what the students are learning. For example, some are learning computer programming, others are learning uh, communication and marketing. Depending on their area, on the vocational area, we can adapt. So I've been doing this um, quite a lot with them. I'm just like teaching them permaculture without them knowing. Sometimes I don't even refer the words because <laughs> it, it's no sense. I would have to explain. But sometimes I do refer the word and they have to do research projects and everything. And we try to, whenever the school has uh, a space for it, I try to work uh, at the garden with them because we have lots of schools with, uh, with gardens here or try to work with seeds, for example, or always include some sort of, uh, of activity that has to do with sustainability and permaculture. Um, yeah, in the future, I'm planning to open a, a bigger permaculture school, like an institute and teach permaculture design courses and train teachers in Portugal. And yeah, that's... Wow. Ahead, ahead in the project. <laughs> well, you, you always need, we always need a big vision to do the uh see where we're going. Yeah, uh, I think that's class that you're teaching permaculture by stealth and just planting planting some seeds <laughs> in there. <laughs> and do you find that the students go away and say, "Oh, what what is this? I want to know more." Yeah, it does happen. Some of them are are very interested, and they they kind of see there's not like a defined future for them. We're like, okay, we're finishing secondary school, then maybe we're going to university, but then jobs are like, and then we're going to work full-time, 40 or more hours a week. So they're very open to alternatives and other ways of, of seeing things. And it's actually easy. It eases into them. It's, yeah. <laughs> so so now, you, now you can send them our way and say, here's all the different career options that you can have in permaculture. Yeah. In permaculture, exactly. Add these to all the, the other ones that you feel that are like exhausted already. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. So what, what languages do you teach in the school? I teach Portuguese, English and Spanish. Spanish not so often because we kind of understand Spanish, most of us. So yeah, it's not like something that uh i often teach but uh portuguese and english mostly and this is to portuguese na uh, native portuguese people or Sorry? it's the portuguese people it's there it's not yeah, foreign yeah. students or anything oh, no, it depends it depends this year i have lots of foreign students at night i go at night to school but sometimes uh during the day it's like portuguese as a as a native language uh, right so you're busy so you have your projects you have your community work and you have your your teaching <laughs> yeah We'll That's see. why I'm, I'm trying to do just a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, so I don't get like too many things to do. Yeah, but it's good, it's good to have that variety. Uh, it's a theme amongst everybody I speak to. It's all hardworking people. They're, they're out doing things. Uh, they're out doing the practical things. Um, so what pro, what's your big project at the minute? Uh, is it the... The gardens, or is it the what, what's your main focus on the? Oh yeah, my main side? focus now is uh, teaching. I I like uh, I during winter I schedule lots of online uh, teaching, short courses like uh, soils, uh, three hours or something, 
Uh, but then I also go to other places to teach. I was uh, recently at uh, Circle Permaculture, um, teaching some lessons, some sessions in the PDC. I also go to Aldeia do Val, which is a, a project here in Portugal, Silvia, Silvia Floresta's project. And I teach some sessions at the PDC as well. And I teach workshops uh, around latest project, which I'm super excited is I've, we've been teaching, I've been teaching at school, teaching teachers how to implement school gardens and using permaculture design. And it's a certified training. So it means that uh, it's good for their career. They can uh, go up in their career with the, with the course. And it's been very, yeah, super inspiring because they're really into it and it's super, super nice. So yeah, at the moment I'm focusing in mainly in teaching permaculture as much as I can, going to festivals, to wherever uh, there's a chance, to wor working with associations and scheduling courses um, in other places. And I'm moving to a new plot of land, bigger one. And so I'm also planning to, to teach in site because now I, I'm I'm not really in the middle of the city, but we have like 120 square meters, maybe. Filled with trees, huge trees, citrus everywhere. Uh, but we're moving to, to a bigger plot of land. Um, and in that place, we will have space for, for courses. Right. So it'll be uh, in-person workshops? Yeah, mainly workshops. Because it's still not big enough to teach a PDC and to provide the the um, the conditions to have people to host people for for 15 days or more but maybe we'll think about the pdc on the weekends or like i don't know schedule it um for longer where you don't have to stay you can just have classes and go back home yeah so you you so you you've because you've been teaching parts of the pdc you take it in different places when you when you create your own PDC, then you'll be able to bring all them things together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I've been teaching a little bit of everything. In the end, I need to work on earthworks, and get myself some tractor and go around. Damaging <laughs> <laughs> the city. Yeah, I, I I hired a tractor once. Yeah, uh, or a digger. I didn't want to get off it. I had great fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want a big piece of land and a tractor. <laughs> yeah. I just go on and change it. So what, what's it like teaching teachers? That must be quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. It depends if I was teaching them something that they really knew, but they're very, they don't know much about uh, food production and gardening. And they have as Sometimes it's not even that they don't know much. It's that they have so much information. They don't know what to use or how to select that information because of our Facebook groups and the internet. And they have a problem and then they go check it. So you have like a list of 20 solutions for each problem. <laughs> and they're like, which one is correct? Which one? What should we do? So yeah, they're, they're super excited. And also because as times um, change, Children and students, they're different. They have different needs. And we have more and more, uh, it, it's needed more and more that we have tools to deal with uh, with all the characteristics they have now. They don't have like a great uh, attention span. 
they need to be involved in things and it needs to inspire them and to motivate them. So uh, the garden presents itself as a, a tool to, you can use whatever subject you want. You can go from maths to even Portuguese, like secondary Portuguese, which is mostly uh, literature. You can use lots of, uh, of um, content just while working with the garden. So they're usually super excited and they're not difficult students. The fact is that they're the least uh, behaved people when they're learning. <laughs> <laughs> they're way worse than students, way worse. And they admit it. They're like, oh, come on, we're free now. <laughs> we don't have to be in control. <laughs> so yeah, it's That's super it. fun because of that as well, because they see it as a relaxing moment, but they're super motivated. And yeah, it's been a rewarding experience. Just like uh, gamekeepers turn poachers then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, you mentioned the future there. You want to run your own PDC. You've got, got the place. Um, any other plans for the future? No, yeah, I think I don't. I like teaching. And I kind of decided I wanted to be a teacher when I was like 10, 12. I just didn't study science because maths was really difficult. And <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to go through this. And languages were always very, very easy. But then, yeah, later on, I teach, I studied lots of biology and geometry and all sorts because I needed it for permaculture. And I don't, I don't see myself doing consulting or uh, many big projects, but mainly working with education uh, till I can. So I would like to have the space to do it and um, be able to create a small uh, school dash institute and gather, um, yeah, have teach PDCs, work with the Erasmus project because we have lots of people coming uh, through the Erasmus project to Portugal and you can reach uh, younger generations and people that just like from 18 to 30 years old, which is an important uh, stage because you have to make lots of decisions in that stage of your life. And I try to spread it as much as I can, like uh, mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great. And uh, is there anything else you, you'd want to bring up that, that we've missed? Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that uh, now it's getting uh, more mainstream in Portugal. So there are many opportunities for, I don't know how it is in other countries. I've seen that in Spain, it's also uh, the movement is getting uh, more attention. And in Portugal, you already have some courses at universities that have the permaculture component, um, which makes it easier. To, to just uh, go around and teach in different contexts, not just uh, private courses. And um, yeah, I think it's super important to give people these tools and uh, show them another way to do things because also the, the consumption uh, that we're, that we're uh, seeing nowadays and the fact that we're always connected with mobile phones and everything is having like, consequences in younger generations. And we don't even know what the consequences will be when they're 30 or 40. So it's already scary enough. So I think that it's important to do something to 
uh, balance that <laughs> that equation because it's getting very very imbalanced. Because uh, yeah, you have lots of um, addictive behaviors in in teens, and uh, the mobile phone itself is super addictive, and social networks and everything. So it's important to start seeing things in a in a different way, and also uh, providing um, people with tools, just different tools that they weren't taught because still no one is teaching you how to produce food at school. This is fairly recent here in Portugal. We have something called Echo Schools, and they're they're implementing these projects, but it's not like something which is widespread. So it's important. Yeah, I think it is, and uh, particularly the I seen a post the other day. It was basically says, "No, your your basic survival is to grow food." They don't teach that in school. <laughs> yeah, they don't teach you how to run a business in school. They don't teach you uh, all these things that make you independent. They don't teach you, and then you you're, you're thrown out when you're eighteen. Go go to go to the job market, but as I've learned now, it's like trying even, to trying even, to yeah. They don't even teach you how to deal with your emotions. Going back to people care, which is like your basic basic, like your software, your software is emotions, and that is not even taught from ever. And sometimes you're an adult and you're struggling in situations just because you can't cope with everything that's running inside. So yeah, I think that's the maximum. Uh, the the more tools we can give people and we can just spread knowledge is the better because yeah we need some sort of shift yeah and you know just just from uh being in the garden uh, it it does change your energy it just changes yourself and teaching people how to do that and it's productive there's yeah. so many benefits and then when you put on then you you take your permaculture and the how you frame your lifestyle as well. I think it's great that you're using that in the teaching and, and teaching the foreign language or teaching language as well. I think that's great. Yeah, for for a while, I used to have like a notebook with in the first page there were all the principles, and I would remind myself daily of like I had home greens and then I had some of bills as well, and I would like okay, okay, okay. This is <laughs> let's just. I think we can shift this. Yeah. In, and it's good, I so you can you can apply the twelve principles to anything. Uh, I did see a post by a friend of mine who he he's a, he, he's an English coach, and as well he he puts uh, permaculture into his uh, his coaching as well. He's English coaching, so it is it is getting out there, and I, I think it's um, we just need to keep talking about it and keep putting it in people's brains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, you talk about it so much that it becomes. Uh mainstream and it becomes something like no longer a weird word that you have to define it's like what Emma, what what are you talking about <laughs> well that, that thing i don't know if it says uh the last two or three people i've interviewed mentioned the same thing of the, <laughs> the, the sometimes the word gets in front of what's behind it <laughs> yeah, yeah so teaching it by stealth not actually mentioning the word but just throwing it in there again and, oh by the way this is this is what you're doing there yeah, yeah uh -huh. this, this actually this is the Difficult word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, and as well, all the sometimes people take the word and think this is what it is. It's nothing else. Yeah, yeah. Like, it means different things to different people. And it's... Yeah, we, we have different boxes, all of us, and yeah. sometimes it's very difficult to expand the box or to like you know shape it somehow. So yeah, I think that's what what you were saying. Just talk about it till everybody knows what it is, or at least has some sort of. Because also you can see that 
okay, they're super, I see them every year. They're these teens and kids, they're super disconnected with some things and they're struggling with other things, but they also have a sort of functions that we didn't have before. You know, they're more um, open and, and empathetic towards climate change and towards cruelty and animal cruelty and all sorts of things that we do as forms of uh, explo exploitation. And so they're more open to living uh, in a different paradigm, in a different uh, uh, environment, which makes it easier also and gives me some hope in future generations and the future of the, of the planet and the human race as well. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be grand. I'm not a, I'm definitely not a doomer. I think there's enough people doing good stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think. Uh, it's, and in it's general, <laughs> it's, it's like 99.999% of people are really good and decent and do care. <laughs> Yeah, I do, do care. That's the uh, and it's the it, it's getting when you're constantly told that the about that wee small percentage, your perception changes. But yeah, that's why I always, and... <clears throat> um, you here we have something very interesting here in Portugal. Made it was made at uh, at the university Nova Lisbon's university, and they made they created some something called Red Convergir. It's converging network. And it's like a map of Portugal, and you can see all the the projects related to permaculture, sustainability, etc. And then they're tagged according to the area they're working. If it's uh, education, uh, people care, land management, and it's incredible because you some if you feel alone, you just need to go and open the map, and it's like, oh, okay just in Portugal, <laughs> it's such a small space, and we're more than one hundred. Uh, okay, we're good. We're good. Yeah. So um, when you start replicating this in your in your mind, you know, okay, in Spain there are lots of people doing it. There there are people doing it in Cape Verde, in Angola, in uh, Kenya, in the United States. So yeah, this is happening. We have hubs all over the place and a big network of people uh, working for the same thing. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> Angela, thank you very much for. Was, You're uh, welcome. I really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. And uh, for listeners out there, where where was the best place to find you? Are you are you have your website or anything or? Um. Yeah, we're on Instagram. It's Escola de Permacultura. We'll <laughs> put that link in the description. <laughs> yes, I can put it. And we had a site, but the most incredible thing happened. Um. We decided to call it country school, but in Portuguese, Escola do Campo. And uh, a former student of Bill Mollison, a Portuguese uh, man, called me saying, Angela, I'm so sorry, my heart is broken, but I, I registered that name. <laughs> so yeah, feedback and then self-regulation. So we had to, to change the name. For now, it's uh, permaculture school, but we're changing it. We're still in the creative process. And it was super cool. He explained me everything about uh, registrations and how it works in Portugal. And he was actually not doing much with the name itself, but as it's registered till I think to 2028 or 29, I really couldn't use it anymore. And my heart was a bit broken because it was the most obvious name for our project. But then I was very happy with all the knowledge I gathered and the fact that he was super cool about it and the fact that he studied with Bill Mollison and had that experience to share. 
so yeah everything is connected but yeah you can you can put the link uh, the site will be on again soon <laughs> <laughs> uh guys thanks very much for it listen that's Thank been Ange Angela Consalve <laughs>